I would say like people, when people are running around kind of emotionally hungry, they're, they're much more apt to bite into something, a relationship that is not good for it. It's kind of like when you go to the grocery store hungry, right? You, you buy all kinds of crap you would never buy if you went right after dinner. Love is a crazy, complicated, beautiful thing. I mean, most people aim to experience romantic love at least once in their life. But what is love? And can you really find it on an app or on a dating show? I don't even know how we define love anymore anyway, right? Some people are like, oh, love's a, you know, love's an act. Other people are like, it's a feeling. Other people are like, oh, it's it's my spirit connecting to their spirit. <laughs> we get all these ethereal terms that nobody can really define. You're like, oh, that sounds cute. Defining love, finding love, and staying in love. Those are the big three, right? For me, it was pretty easy. I met my husband in college. We got married about three years later. Now we're coming up on our three-year wedding anniversary, which is insane because I feel like we just got married. But yeah, it was nice. Unfortunately, it is not that nice for everybody. I have a lot of friends still in the dating scene and they tell me what a nightmare it is. Jungle, crazy, wild, hopeless feeling. You know, I've kind of heard it all. I'm Bailey Friday and Texas wants to know what's the reality of dating culture in Texas? Some of TV's most popular reality shows like Love is Blind, Ready to Love, and more recently, Farmer Wants a Wife, have all been cast in Texas. My name is Portia Paxton, and I am a contestant or dater on Farmer Wants a Wife. Whenever I was reached out to, the way they the pitched the, the show was that it was going to be very wholesome. My mom watches Yellowstone, so they did say it was going to be Yellowstone meets The Bachelor, and everyone knows The Bachelor. So I was like, okay, that sounds really cool. Whenever I think of a farmer, I think of someone that has like very good family values and my family is really important to me. And I just um, felt that they would have similar values and uh, what they would want out of life, like similar to mine. I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois. I lived there until I was 10 and then I moved here to Louisville, Texas, um, so the northern DFW area. I've, I've lived here since I was 10. So it's been about 20 years. I'm 30 now. I have two older brothers, two younger sisters and a twin sister. So we kind of have mod podge of uh, a lot of siblings. Um, so I have a pretty big family. We're really close. Dating wise, I don't have a ton of experience. So I felt like when this opportunity came up, it was literally perfect timing. And I had wanted to do something I don't want to say crazy, but something out of my comfort zone that was going to help me just put myself out there and meet the kind of guy that I was wanting because obviously I want to be married eventually. Look, I know we're all tired of hearing about the pandemic, but it really had some long lasting impacts on our lives. It affected our social interactions in a drastic way. In 2021, Forbes magazine reported that more than 300 million people were on dating apps and the number is continuing to rise. I've tried, uh, I think, almost every dating app. I've tried Tinder when it first came out. I tried Hinge. That's the one that I was on most recently. I tried, I think, Plenty of Fish, Bumble. So I have tried quite a few. It's just I've never been able to make like a good connection. Yeah, I went on uh, some dates, but n none of them ended up 
turning into anything. Um, I just feel like there's the kind of disconnect with dating apps because there's so many, or at least for women, I feel like we have a lot of options. So like, I'll just go on it and like match with people and then like either I'll ghost them or they ghost me. It just doesn't end up working out. And it's hard to just set up that initial face-to-face moments where you can figure out if you click. So I feel like the show was definitely a good um, like opposite into that. While a reality dating show can be an alternative to finding a date, these shows often exclude certain communities. Enter Davis Mendoza Derusman. He says he is the change he wants to see in how love is represented in media. I hope to kickstart kind of a revolution of queer programming in uh, reality dating, reality TV, and not just like the, the real friends of West Hollywood or like the competition shows, but because those those are well represented on their own, but really focusing on the love and humanity of the queer community and showing that we're much more beyond apps like Grinder and Growler and Scruff and all that. Um, we are at the end of the day, we're all humans in search of love and connection with others. Davis was inspired by his own love story and experiences to create the production company Houston Unscripted Productions and his original series, Panning for Love. Personally, in my journey to finding love as a queer person um, was definitely not straightforward. And I, I, I am ashamed for all of the, I was in theater. And so a lot of my peers were also queer. And, you know, I'd like to make jokes. I've always been a bit of a class clown. Um, but I didn't come from it from a point of empathy. I came from it from the outside looking in when in reality I was inside the closet all along. <laughs> but in terms of dating in Houston, um, I was actually fairly lucky in meeting my wife um, in college through a, a mutual organization that we were both a part in. Because prior to that, I had been very shy. I was never really one to ask someone out, whether it was a, a woman I was interested in, in or a man that I had a crush on or someone I wasn't really sure of, but I wanted to get to know them better. I was always a little too shy and not really knowing how to approach others. I was lucky that my wife was the one that made the first move because otherwise who knows where I would be. And so I hope people who are both within the community and, you know, not part of the queer community can watch this and get a better understanding of what it's like to be pansexual, what it's like to be open to love, regardless of gender, regardless of if it's uh, man, woman, gender nonconforming, that love can be found anywhere and for anyone. So tell me what motivated you to start your own production company and to start your own TV show. One, of course, was to actually create some queer representation, um, but also to, to help people in my community find love in a fun and unique kind of way outside of dating apps, um, but also so I could come out to my parents as pansexual and kind of explain the pan lifestyle a bit through Panning for Love. I came up with the idea for Panning for Love and in turn, the creation of the production company, Houston Unscripted Productions, uh, last January, actually, January, 2022, after just being tired of the same heteronormative bachelors and bachelorettes. And uh, as a lover of trash TV and being in the queer community, I, uh, I set out to create that representation I wanted to see on reality dating shows and, you know, create my own kind of trash TV, you know, and I think it's going pretty well. I think people are really connecting with it, which I'm very thankful for. A little bit of the background of the premise of Panning for Love. It's four contestants. They're men, women, gender nonconforming, and they embark on a series of blind speed dates with one another, all in the hope of finding love at first date. And so one of the questions that we asked was, what is it like dating in the queer community? And 
basically four out of the four said that it's it's rough. It's a bit difficult, you know, navigating spaces like dating apps where it can be very sex positive, but also a bit intimidating to people who want a bit more intimacy. And so that's why I created this show as a way to create an environment, a queer affirming environment where people can just meet each other, not that high stakes, but of course there are cameras watching you. <laughs> I feel like my dating experience is a little different from most people because I, again, like I said, I haven't had that much um, dating experience in the past. Um, but just with COVID as well, I feel like working from home because that's what I did for the most part for the past two years. And now I'm hybrid, but still, it's just really difficult meeting new people. Um, and I feel like guys don't really put themselves out there. I don't know if they used to, and I feel like it just doesn't work. Like I, I always say that I wanted to have like my own meet cute, like from a movie, like just meet someone while I'm running an errand and it does not happen. <laughs> no, I feel like it, it definitely does feel like that, that it's just, it's hard to meet people. So much of the dating advice out there, if you jump on YouTube, you jump on anywhere, is just unhealthy dating advice. So I think a lot of people don't know what they're looking for. You look at the dating advice. If I were to go on YouTube today and search, you know, how to get the guy or something, I'm going to find all kinds of videos with millions of views on three ways to get him to come after you, five ways to know he's into you. You start talking about things like the three-day rule, right? Like, you know, kind of basically act, act hard to get. Um, and, and a lot of that manipulation doesn't work long-term. A lot of that attracts the wrong person. So often the conversation around dating is aimed at outer experiences and your partner's actions. We asked relationship expert Eric Wooten for some advice on what single people can do for themselves to prepare themselves for a long-term relationship. I think number one is is just get healthy, right? The the healthier a person is, I think a lot of times, you know, we chase relationships to fill the areas of ourselves that we haven't dealt with. And so I just think getting healthy is, as much as you can, you know, we're all in process, right? So this, this side of the grave, we probably never get fully healthy, but I think we can do some things. And the healthier you are, I think the, the less likely you are to, uh, one, go into a relationship that's not going to be good for you to stay, continue to stay in a relationship that's not good for you. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons. I think uh, another one is like figure out what healthy looks like. So everyone might not be able to go on a dating show, right? But dating apps, highly accessible. To me, they're terrifying. I mean, the options are abundant. And the question is, how do you navigate these dating apps in a healthy way? I, I would encourage people to have a plan just as far as apps. It's no matter who you talk to, some people love one app and hate another one. And the person right next to them hates that one, but loves this one. So I think part of it is trying some different apps, pick one, commit to it for three to six months. Cause you got other people that after the first two weeks, I didn't find nobody, this app doesn't work. So pick an app or two commit for three to six months or something. And then I, I think dating with a, a an intentional plan with online. To me, it, it is crazy when someone's like, they've been talking to somebody for six months, they're all emotionally invested, and they never even seen the person. I'm like, dude, you don't know if this is really them, right? We've seen catfish. So I would say, if, if I were to create a plan, here, here's what I would say. You start you start messaging on the app, right? That's step one. If If you enjoy those conversations, I would quickly move to some kind of video conversation. 
A lot of apps have the video messaging. If they don't use Zoom, if you don't want to use FaceTime so they don't have your phone number, but do something on video. And then if it's still going good, I want to meet in person pretty quick. And in person to me is in a public place. We drive separate. I ain't picking you up because your car's in the shop or <laughs> we're, we're not doing dinner at your house. You know I mean, we just like I'm meeting you in a public place. My friends know where I'm going, when I'm going. I'm not leaving with you. We, we came separate. We're leaving separate. This is our first time. So I want to meet in person pretty quick because because that gives you a good feel for you know who they are. And then I think if it's still going good, I want to get my community involved pretty quick. Like I want them to meet my people. I want to meet their people uh, because th those are going to reveal some stuff. Your friends will know, but too many people are like, Dude, you, you are so emotionally involved messaging somebody for three months that you don't even know if it's real. And that uh, that's, to me, that's a little dangerous. So have a plan. A recent study, which I personally find depressing, rated Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston as the three most unfaithful cities in the U.S. Yeah. If you're single in these areas, these stats can be quite discouraging. Honestly, even if you're in a relationship, like that sucks. And it begs the question, is dating in big cities here more difficult than in other states? Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston as the most unfaithful cities. You know, these are very big cities. Um, so I, I'm not going to advocate for infidelity. But if you were to go from one side of town to another to meet up with somebody, it's very unlikely that your partner would know. And my wife is listening to this and I was going to be tracking my car. <laughs> but maybe that's, I mean, big cities are everywhere, but Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, to think of it in terms of those cities as the most unfaithful cities, that's, yeah, that's a, it seems like a unique problem, but I can kind of understand why. So for me, the data is only as good as a criteria. And if you look at some of the stuff they they use to determine that, to me, is foolish. Like, you know, acres of parkland and coffee shops at per capita and restaurants. And so I'm like, there's not a whole lot of affairs happening in coffee shops and parks and restaurants, right? I have a hard time thinking Dallas, Fort Worth and Houston are any different than other big cities. There's a bunch more people. You got less of a chance of running into somebody uh, who knows who you're with or something in a big city versus a small city. I think, I think opportunities uh, are obviously you got, you got a lot more people around. I think cities are always going to have a lot more singles around families are going to tend to move out to the suburbs. And, and so I think, yeah, I just think there's some obvious reasons why you're going to see a, a higher rate. As people are going through the dating process, how can they spot those red flags early on before a relationship really starts? If you're healthy, the old uh, the old idea they used to have with you know people who find counterfeit money, right? They they don't study counterfeit money; they study the real thing, and then the counterfeit is obvious when they see it. So so it's like if you if you're healthy, I think you're going to see some of the red flags. But I think if you're looking to me, if you're just looking for does this person consider how their behavior and attitudes and stuff affect you, and willing to adjust when you share it. I think, you know, that's a huge green flag, right? So if if people are not willing to adjust or they're not willing to take ownership or they seem to always shift blame. And so someone who's unwilling to take ownership and make adjustments should be a huge red flag. And again, that can, there can be multiple things under that. And then I think somebody who, you know, is overly 
invested too early and you talk about people like, Oh, I just, I just fall hard. And I'm like, that's unhealthy. Yeah. There's, there's something wrong. If you're an overshare, you give too much too early. You don't know people, but you go all in. So it's like, there's a whole category of red flags under people that come in too hard, too fast, too hot, no, no boundaries. And then the other side is, you know, the people who, say they don't know if they want to commit, but they want to stay in a relationship. They're going to kind of kind of manipulate and, and not take ownership. And so we could probably just say those are two big categories and you'll see all kinds of red flags, you know, under each of those. Whether it's a reality show, dating app, or someone you met while running an errand, how can we make sure that we are genuinely connecting with potential love interests? You know, when people, a lot of people talk about compatibility, and I would say when you're talking about kind of compatibility, uh, obviously a few things are involved for me. Chemistry is obviously one of them, right? Let, that there's some level of attraction, you know, we enjoy each other. I get you, you know, that's the chemistry. I think that's a component. Most people, that is the component. Chemistry is important. I think uh, comparability is important. Where are we similar? Like, do our values line up? Do we, do we have the same vision for our future? Do we generally... Because whatever you value is going to determine where you spend your time and your money. And at some point, if we have competing values, we're going to be fighting over resources, right? So comparability, I think complementarity is, is, you know, the opposites attract. Where are we different? But do our differences kind of strengthen each other? Or do we encourage each other in our differences? Or do our differences roll over each other, right? If I'm more passive and, and they're more assertive, but they're always rolling over me and, and not, you know, that that's not good complementarity. Um, and then I would throw in, because I'm a believer in community, I would throw community in there too, you know, uh, do, do you connect with my people? Do my people like you? Do I like your people? measure compatibility by your chemistry, comparability, where you similar, complementarity, how do your differences kind of feed each other? And then what does your community think about it? Those are probably some pretty good kind of guardrails to keep you from ending up with a fool again. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thank you so much for joining me on our podcast, Texas Wants to Know. If you liked the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan. Kaplan.